Welcome to the Roll Bama Roll podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I'll be joined by Brad Canning. Brad, off the top of your head, do you remember watching any receiver ever at any level have a better game than what we saw from Devontae Smith on Saturday? Well, uh, I mean, that's that's a tough one. Uh, maybe a Julio Jones game here or there with the Falcons, but yeah. I mean, he, he had at 300. A college level. Yeah, Julio had yeah. 300, I think, a couple years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah at, a col- at a college level, no. No, I have not. Yeah, that, like there was a, a couple of NFL games that came to mind. Uh, I remember when, when Megatron went, he went over 300 against the Cowboys several years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I, tr- I can't remember many college games I've watched personally that featured a better performance than that. I watched Corey Davis. I think he went for like 250 once, but they were playing, you know, Ball State or an FCS school, whatever. Devontae Smith is one of three players since the year 2000 to record 10 catches, 270 plus yards, and five touchdowns in a game. I mean, he he caught as many touchdowns as most receivers get in a year and a half, so. (laughs) Uh, Well, look, his freshman year, it's funny you bring that up. His freshman year, his season totals were eight catches, 160 yards, three touchdowns. He was the hero of the national championship game. Uh, yep, no, it's crazy. Uh, there's never a dull moment with this offense. It's uh, it's a good problem to have, but apparently the the worst receiver of our starters uh, had a big game. So Yeah, and what's funny, so he ended up 11 catches, 274 yards, five touchdowns. 221 of that was in the first half. I could be alone in this feeling, but it felt like he could have went for more. Oh, for sure. But of course, you know, Sark can't ever keep his foot on the gas pedal. You know, I mean, we're being greedy. I mean, still, we got to witness something we haven't seen at Alabama, and who knows if we'll see it again. There are four great receivers on this team. That cannot be argued. It seems to me, though, like Tua and Devontae Smith, they have a different chemistry to get from second 26th of freshman year, even to last season before Devontae Smith was injured, now into this season. He might be considered the fourth best receiver on the team, or that maybe some will say the third, but he's also Tua's favorite target to me. It's not. It's nothing that's unnatural in terms of a quarterback having one receiver that he's just clicks with more than any other one. And yeah, like you said, from day one, it's been Smitty. Uh, you know, he may be his guy in his eyes, but uh, I know some AFC scouts that he's not their guy <laughs> in their eyes. Yeah. So you saw the scout. Was it an anonymous scout? That, oh, absolutely. Okay. You know, those damn anonymouses, man. That's a family <laughs> of just people. Like, uh, so when I said earlier, the worst receiver, starting receiver on the team, I, you know, obviously I'm, I'm making fun of this anonymous AFC scout who I'm going to just assume he's trying to lower his stock already in the draft. That way they can get him as a steal. But uh, he says apparently Smitty's got a problem dropping balls, man. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but wide receivers, uh, typically they never have drops. So Smitty's like this unusual suspect Uh, is that even an issue with him no and that's the whole thing I mean I'm being sarcastic obviously but show me where he's had consistent drops I mean it's not like you know Amari's sophomore year where he had some problems or things like that any receiver on a given Saturday is going to drop a pass but Smitty doesn't make a problem out of it yeah I like when I read that scouting report it just kind of took me back because I don't really remember him ever dropping many passes. Or Yeah, I mean, Clemson, he dropped one. 
you know, and he's probably had a couple here or there, but I'd be shocked if it's double-digit drops while at Alabama, you know, especially because he was only targeted eight times in his freshman year. But to say that the talent around him mask his deficiencies and drops <laughs> is, I mean, that's got some balls on it, man. I mean, that AFC scout, he gets fired, he's got a job already lined up at Fox Sports 1, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. He'll be next to Joel Klatt in no time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but he's that guy has got to be – He's he's got to be trying to get him in the fourth round or something. Yeah, that's uh, that's the only feasible thing I can think yeah. of why they're just torching this dude right now. Either <laughs> that or he's an LSU fan. I don't know which. But. Yeah. Sticking with the receiver theme, th- there is a chance Alabama does something that's only been done really a handful of times in the history of college football, and that's produce three 1,000-yard receivers in the same season. Devontae Smith's already over 500. Judy's right at 500, and Ruggs is at 361. For the remainder of the season, Brad, Devontae Smith has to average 57.9 yards per game. That's doable. Jerry Judy has to average 64 per game. Also doable. And Ruggs, the tallest task here, has to average 79.9. And you can kind of attribute that to uh, him being injured on Saturday. He only finished with 11 yards after the injury. Uh, it's safe to assume that number would be uh, quite a bit higher (laughs) based on the way he's been playing. But do they make it? Do we see three 1,000-yard receivers at the end of the season? God, it's so tough to say just because of injury. Yeah, You know, I want to say yes because it should. But at the end of the day, between quarterback and receivers and the the risk of being injured, I don't know. There's a reason why it doesn't happen all the time. Yeah. Uh, I think two, absolutely. I think the third one, that's going to be close. I'll be shocked if it happens just because of that. Yeah, 79.9 per game is is a lot, but assuming Henry Ruggs is, is, recovers well from whatever was going on uh, Saturday, he's very capable of having that 170-yard game or that hundred you know 150-yard game or two of them. So if we get a couple of those mixed in, the, they can make this. I think Judy, well, yeah. Judy and Devontae Smith are safe bets. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and that's those were the two that I would I would say you know for sure over a thousand. I mean, hell, Judy's going to probably go for fourteen plus. But <laughs> Rugs, the benefit he has, even though he has the highest number to reach per week right now, mm-hmm. is the fact that we uh, have a touchback. Out of all the receivers, he's the most likely to take that first play after a touchback on offense to the house. <laughs> so. Uh, we did mention last week that Ole Miss was only giving up 2.8 yards per carry on defense going into the Alabama game. I think we both felt like it, it was either time for the run game to turn a corner or it was time to start worrying, and they turned that corner. The overall yardage wasn't off the charts, but Najee averages over 7.9 yards per carry Saturday. Brian Robinson averaged six. Brian Robinson, I thought, showed his potential when he got into a groove, especially in the first half. But my untrained eye saw a difference in the offensive line as well. By the way, Landon Dickerson is the type yeah. of he's the type of player you hate if he plays for anyone else, but you love if he plays with you and your team. That guy, he's mean. Like that dude is just flat mean. That man, he he had a second life back in the 1800s at bars in Western <laughs> towns, just beating the hell out of everybody. Like he is a freaking bull. I don't know. If y'all get to ever see Cole break down these games, but you'll see damn near every week, Landon Dickerson's just finding somebody, and he's just shoving their ass into the dirt for no apparent reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's just these blindside by You know, his guy, his guy's already on the ground. It, it, it's like the same thing every week. He pancake blocks his guy. He's laying there on the ground, and then he just turns and then <laughs> finds somebody else's man. 
to blindside from the side. Uh, it either way, uh, that was a a massive pickup as a grad transfer. We didn't know how that was going to work out because he had been injured really through his entire duration at Florida State. We knew the potential there, but that has been huge. No, I mean I I think Willie Taggart for uh, you know that addition there, um, <laughs> he should get a discount on that buyout for it. <laughs> But, uh, no, I mean, the offensive line did play better. Uh, it's like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, though. You know, this has been the case nearly every year for the past five, six years is uh, the first few weeks of the season, run game, offensive line, just, hell, maybe even the team as a whole. It's kind of sluggish, kind of not gelling, meshing, and then just all of a sudden it clicks and they just start kicking ass even more and they play seamlessly. And I think you turn that corner at the right time when you're going to catch a bye week now this week. And then you got this big game on the road, which of course is not a night game next week. Yeah. Of course, uh, Deontay Brown made his debut, but moving Kendall Randolph to the blocking tight end role made a difference as well. That hasn't gotten much play, but I remember them creating that role for Brandon Green a few years ago. So I'll see, I think, I think we'll see that going forward. (laughs) Maybe we even see the, uh, the trick play, or I guess maybe not a trick play, but a deceiving play uh, in overtime. And, and a ball, sells here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a ball thrown to Kendall uh, Randolph. But uh, moving on to the defensive side of the ball, is it time to hit the panic button? Well, uh, I mean, again, because <laughs> some of us have already hit it. You yeah. know, look at me. I'm, I love hyperbole, so shit. I've been, I've wore that button out already. Every big play, <laughs> every big run this past week. What? It, we talk about our running backs average. I mean, hell, let's bring up, you know, the old quarterback. So, yeah, it's it's beyond time to hit panic in a world of we expect perfection. So anything over one plus yard is the end of the world. We're going to die and the season's over. My thing is, we all said that we knew we'd have to be patient after all this, like the slew of injuries. Like We knew how much inexperience was replacing those guys. <laughs> now we're five games in, and I think <laughs> the, the mentality of the fan base has changed from be patient with the young guys to we need them to be better and we need it right now. So do you think maybe in the back of <laughs> some people's minds, all the patience talk was really lip service and they didn't actually yeah. think that this would be a rough transition? <laughs> No, I I am absolutely shocked to to even suggest the fact that any portion of our fan base would be hypocritical (laughs) about any topic. That has never happened, and this is the first I've ever heard of it. Not us. (laughs) Not us either. Hell no. Reddit would (laughs) verify that, I'll promise you. Uh, Now, no, I I, kind of expected bad anyways, Mm -hmm. uh, and by bad in terms of Alabama's recent standards. Uh, in the beginning, because I, I think it's just that whole injury dynamic with not having that experience depth, but it'll figure itself out. It typically always does. And let's just hope it's it's going to start figuring itself out this week on the bye week. So <laughs> yeah. I still have confidence in the secondary. There's a lot of experience, a lot of proven guys there. Trevon Diggs is allowing the lowest passer rating in the nation when his man is targeted. But stopping the run against a team like, say, Georgia – in a potential SEC championship match, that would concern me a lot right now. Uh, Plumlee went over 100 Saturday. They had two backs average over six yards per carry. Uh, Needless to say, that has to change before they face a run-dominant team. Yeah, look, Xavier McKinney leaves the SEC in tackles of 49. Hell, he's going to have about 49 of them against Georgia in that run game. So, Yeah, do you want your safety to lead your team in tackles or lead the conference in tackles? If anything, the only positive of that is we weren't off base by saying at least the secondary is good this year. It's the best we've had in five years. Well, yeah, that's that's about it. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm also starting to hear more Christian Barmore chatter and more more Caho chatter. Uh, I know we've brought this up previously, but Barmore is disruptive every time he gets an opportunity. Caho is starting to look better in the middle. To me, it looks like he's reacting quicker and thinking less than the true freshman. What what can be holding these two back from more playing time, especially with a team that you could say is having a, a lot of struggles in the middle right now? Yeah, you know, look, I, I was in a, uh, a DM about that about a week and a half ago after that little suspension happened. And it's like, if he's this disruptive, this dominant, you know, why is he not out there more? Well, that's a great question. And you would have to think there's always that basic checklist of play of on defense of players and why they're not getting that playing time, even though they show these flashes. So, I mean, you would have to think it's something along the lines of maturity, buying in and doing the little things. But at the end of the day, those things will get overlooked slightly when he's needed. And I think you're going to continue to see him contribute more. Yeah. Cause to me, it can't be, it's not the, the, Hey, we're going to struggle regardless. So just play the younger, more athletic guy. Kahu and Barmore are the young athletic guys. So, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I'm not Nick Saban. I'm not making the decisions, thank God. Well. But I, I'm well. I'm starting to question, you know, that going forward. Why, well, why they're not getting yeah. more time. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, look, I'm, I just wonder if Tennessee's open to a trade because I'm completely fine, especially with the recruiting effort that he puts through, which uh, is the lack thereof, of giving Pete Golding for Jeremy Pruitt all day. So. Let's do it. Uh, I mean, I might even throw in a little – a little money, I'll call the wreck, see what they want to pitch in and sweeten the deal for them. So, can we fully uh, judge Pete Golding right now? Uh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> we can. Okay, I mean, that's that's, that's we, we can judge him since he's been calling stunts in the damn you know the red zone. So, yeah. I mean, to me, it's time. The problem with Brent Key when he was here was the fact that he didn't put that effort on the recruiting trail. Well, the problem right now with Pete Golding too is is that as well. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, he's a great coach. I don't think he's a great defensive coordinator. Yeah. I, and I say that because I know Jeremy Pruitt's a viable option, whether people want to admit it or not. Uh, look, I so. don't care who our defensive coordinator is. If Jeremy Pruitt is an option, that's who I want. Well, I'd love, if we're going co-DCs again, let's get Dan Quinn's ass out of Atlanta, too. <laughs> yeah, so. that's fine, too. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Either way, I mean, we'll see We'll see how all of that unfolds. Uh, like we said last week, uh, Jeremy Pruitt might be on, back on the, the, our sideline and, you know, next, Dude, next if week. They get, yeah, I was about to say, if they get the absolute hell beat out of them, which is a very real possibility, <laughs> uh, we may have some applications come rolling in all of a sudden. Yeah. Like, he's going to create an Indeed login, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> all right, mo- moving on. We talked a lot of Bryce Young last week, Brad. We know the story. You brought this up. Uh, you mentioned it briefly but the Bryce Young commitment was similar to the Tua commitment in the sense that Alabama had an early commitment from Jake Fromm. He decommits from Alabama, goes to Georgia. That leads to Alabama pursuing Tua. The rest is history. Now, this cycle, Alabama got an early commitment from Carson Beck from Florida. He decommits from Alabama following all the coaching turnover. That leads to Alabama pursuing Bryce Young, and here we are again. So the Elite 11 has a tracker for all of the quarterbacks that participated in their camp. I want to give you a picture of how lucky Alabama got in this situation. Carson Beck had a great junior season. There is no denying that. These are his senior year stats so far. His completion percentage, the worst of anyone at the Elite 11, 48.2. In five games, he has thrown six touchdowns and eight interceptions. He's averaging right at 2.6 yards per carry. 
Damn, almost sounds like uh, Trevor Lawrence. So. <laughs> well, uh, but, well, you know, and what's crazy is Mac Jones has been around for both of these stories. So, Yeah, that's true. He has. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to, <guy>. <laughs> <laughs> to the contrary, Bryce Young has a higher completion percentage than any Elite 11 prospect. He's also playing the toughest schedule in the Elite 11. By the way, this is the top quarterback camp in the country for anyone who, who may not know what the Elite 11 is. Only two prospects have th- thrown for more yards. And keep in mind, Bryce Young is not playing full games right now. Uh, he has a 19-to-1 touchdown-interception ratio, not to mention his five rushing touchdowns. I would have still been okay with Carson Beck in Alabama's class because I, I know they didn't really need him in year one. I'd fall back on maybe the thought that either Mac Jones or Talia would be the next guy. Georgia doesn't have that luxury if Jake Fromm enters the draft. They may be mm-hmm. put in a situation now where they need to hit the grad transfer market for a, basically a holdover quarterback. Yeah, they're going to be out trying to find their own Garner Minshew. So. <laughs> and we're already seeing the after effects of the Bryce Young commitment. I don't know if you saw this, but Rakim Jarrett, the five-star wide receiver and LSU commitment, mm-hmm. set, he set his official visit yep. date to Alabama for the Arkansas weekend. Uh, Jarrett is a top three receiver in the country. He basically was not even a possibility for Alabama three weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, this visit and the uh, the renewed interest, it's 100% due to Bryce Young. Well, and LSU fans, of course, at some point they're going to realize when things like this happen with their recruits in Alabama that uh, it better be time to start getting your clothes out of the closet. Of course, they don't think it's a big deal. Oh, it's just a visit. He's just getting in his free visits. That's what they say every time. Yeah, so your girlfriend going out to dinner with her ex, that's just a free dinner. That's all it is. (laughs) So don't worry. Nothing to worry about. Yeah, okay. We've seen this story every single year. Mm -hmm. Here we go again. Yep. Let's do it. <laughs> and there's there's been rumors through the whole cycle that Jarrett was looking at basically elsewhere. He flirted with Tennessee forever until the God, start of and still until the start of the season, and then he saw Tennessee play. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, then uh, and looked at Georgia Southern. So. I don't think he's answering the phone anymore when anybody you know when it's a Knoxville area code. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. So now now that's kind of, that interest has kind of shifted to Alabama. And uh, and here we are. A- Alabama's put themselves in a position where they may be be able to steal one of the top receivers in the country from a rival, if you call if you want to call them that. Yeah, I mean, I guess, but no, and you just hate to see it. It's another problem, you know, that somehow we find a way to fight through the adversity. So, <laughs> quickly before we wrap up, we have not mentioned Nate Oates, our guy, on this show in mo- I mean, it's been months, right? Yeah, I mean, we are such fogs. I'm sorry, guys. Like, we offer ourselves as tributes. So, well, let's let's change that for a second, and we we won't spend a lot of time on this. We know it's football season. We are approaching the actual season, and we know he's been nearly perfect off the court leading up to that. We have always wanted a guy that could go head to head with the blue blood programs and win those battles, not only on the on the court but on the recruiting trail. Nate Oates is not backing down on the trail. Alabama is the presumed leader for two five-star basketball prospects right now, Brad. That's two top 25 players in the entire nation, uh, Namari Burnett, Isaiah Jackson. I can't remember a time, really, where they led for multiple potential McDonald's All-Americans that neither one of them were from the state of Alabama. 
he, he's quickly changed the entire culture. Hell, even of myself, because you know before we were we were in jest, you know, making some great predictions and statements uh, when he first you know was on the job in the first thirty days. Well, now it's gotten to the point where if we're not in on some big recruit or he ain't coming to visit, I'm a little pissed off, Wes. I want to know <laughs> what the hell's going on here. Like, are we broke? Like, what's going on? <laughs> Isaiah Jackson's from Michigan. He's been projected to commit to Tom Izzo in Michigan State, and he's officially visiting Alabama at the end of the month. He just released his top three. It consists of Syracuse, Alabama, and Kentucky. There's not even a Michigan State on the list. So, well, and Syracuse man. sources expect him to end up in the South. So this looks like an Alabama-Kentucky battle. Like, What more could you want right now from a guy that has not coached a game? Yeah, no, look, I, I agree. I mean, this is just – this is exactly what us who were bold enough to go out on the ledge when he first took the job expected. Nothing but perfection, literally. Um, but you also know the Alabama team has arrived. It hasn't been announced yet, so we'll see when. I'm sure it'll happen before we post this. Uh, but there is a second major injury that's making the rounds uh, yeah. through sources and, and everything. So we'll see when that gets announced. Hopefully it's not true, but from everything that we've heard, it is. So that's how we know we've arrived, just like the football program. Yeah. If you're great, people are going to start falling down. And it seems like Nate Oates is going to have that problem this year, but the way he's recruiting, it won't last for long. Yeah, and the Javon Quinterly waiver, we're waiting. It could be any day now. It could be as we're recording this. Uh, the NCAA is giving a lot of waivers out right now. There's a lot of optimism for Javon Quinterly to be eligible this season, but we'll see. I will say this. The eggs are all in on the Burnett and Jackson basket. So this could set up to be one of Alabama's top recruiting classes ever if they land those two. It could also set up to be a massive disappointment if they, they end up the bridesmaid on these guys. Well, that's where we're going to find out early if Nate Oates is going to be that different coach because you already know in the history of Alabama basketball what direction <laughs> that should go. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Nate's got his work cut out for him early. Hey, Alec, if, if they beat out the, the schools on Damari Burnett's list and the schools on Isaiah Jackson's list, I mean, if you're if you're somebody that doesn't know anything about Nate Oates or you're a casual basketball fan and you see a top 25 player in the nation has Syracuse, Kentucky, and Alabama in his top three, what what's the last school you think he's going to pick? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Is he playing football? Like, <laughs> right. You're, you're thinking, yeah. why are they on his list? I mean, oh, they're paying them. Well, yeah, I mean, true, but also step your money game up. So, <laughs> whatever, just don't get caught. All right. Well, that's why I don't get it either. Like, how much is it going to cost to get Javon's waiver approved? Like, seriously, our ass has not cut a check yet. <laughs> what in the hell are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody else seems to be getting theirs, theirs uh, cleared. So, yeah, of course. But yeah. the SEC's offices are in Birmingham. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, this has been the Roll Bama Roll podcast. Roll Todd.